This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Maya, and this week our topic is my hands-on impressions of the Nintendo Switch. So there was an event today uh, at Tokyo Big Site, which is a big convention center in Odaiba in Tokyo, and I went there. I got there an hour early at 9 a.m., lined up. Uh, eventually found out that the line splits into three separate lines, one for Splatoon 2, one for Zelda Breath of the Wild, and another one for all of the other games. Um, 43 minutes into the line, um, they closed the Splatoon 2 line because there were too many people in line to actually play uh, today. Um, so they stopped accepting new people around 9.43. About a half hour later, uh, they closed the Zelda line because there were too many people who wanted to play Zelda. And by 11 a.m., so an hour after the event had officially started, all first-party video games were done for the day, which is kind of amazing. Um, so in all likelihood, if you were lined up that early, uh, you've only had the chance to play one first-party game. Um, and a lot of people, anyone who came after 11, basically did not have the chance to play a first-party game at all. Uh, which kind of sucks. Uh, the first party games were handed or handing out little tickets um, that told you come back at this time to actually play, sort of like Fast Pass in Disney parks and whatnot. Uh, I got a ticket for Splatoon, which told me to come over between 1.30 and 2. Um, and that's more or less what I have to say about the event itself. Um, I do want to revisit the idea of the concept of the Switch, uh, which is still appealing. It's a convertible game console that can be used in different contexts. It can be docked in the living room and hooked up to a television. They call this TV mode. There's tabletop mode, which is where you use a kickstand, which is built into the device, and then split the two Joy-Cons off of the sides and use those as individual controllers for two players. Or you can keep the two Joy-Cons docked into the console and use it as a handheld gaming device. But how does that actually play out in practice? Well, for starters, um, the Switch is too small for tabletop mode to be enjoyable. Uh, Size-wise, it's about the same as the iPhone 7 Plus with regards to height and width. Of course, it's much thicker. Um, and, I mean, it's fine size when you use it as a handheld device, but the problem is when you're using it tabletop, there's distance between the players and the screen, and that makes the display too small to actually see what you're doing on the screen. Uh, I experienced this playing uh, Bomberman with another person, um, and it's even worse if you're playing something that's actually like split screen. Um, but it's also an ergonomic nightmare. You're always hunched over it. Um, it's not like the display is going to be high enough so that you can look straight at it. So you're always hunching over it, and it sort of sucks. Um, when it's docked, it acts basically no different than any other console. Um, handheld mode was incredibly hard to get the chance to experience. Uh, there were two ways to basically try it. You could either go to the Splatoon booth and get randomly selected to go play the portable version, as they called it, or you could get lucky at the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe booth, uh, because there were two setups there. There was one handheld, and there was one uh, couch setup. Um, and uh, since I got there um, too late to actually get a ticket for Mario Kart 8, I didn't get the chance to do that, and I wasn't lucky to get picked for it. Uh, the Splatoon booth 
so I didn't get the chance to do it. Uh, most games were demoed in TV or tabletop mode. Uh, many games, especially the third-party ones, had both set up. So now we're going to talk about the actual games I had the chance to play. Uh, the first was Ultra Street Fighter 2. Uh, it was in TV mode using the Pro Controller. Um, Ultra Street Fighter 2 is an enhanced port of HD Turbo Remix. I think that's what it was called. Uh, it was the Street Fighter 2 that was released on the Xbox 360 and the PS3 uh, when they redrew all the assets. And um, now they give you a choice for retro or redrawn assets, which is nice. Um, they've added new characters, I believe, in this version. There was Violent Ken and something else for you. Um, I might be mixing those up, but yeah. Um, Pro Controller is about as comfortable as any other controller on a modern console. The obvious analog is Xbox 360, Xbox One controller. Feels about the same. Um, doesn't feel quite as premium as those controllers do, but, I mean, it has the same comfort. Um, Street Fighter 2, um, as many people know, is a six-button game. The Switch only has four face buttons, and so two of those buttons had to be offset to the shoulder buttons. Um, you may recall this is the same layout that they used for Street Fighter 2 on the Super Nintendo. In fact, they call it out in their trailer. Um, but it's still suboptimal if you're playing that way compared to stuff like arcade sticks or controllers such as the Saturn pad or the Hori Fighting Controller, which just give you six face buttons that you can just use as if they're an arcade stick. Um, it's sort of unclear right now if third-party fighting sticks or controllers like the Hori Fighting Controller will be allowed to come to the Switch, although there is a Taiko Nadatsujin game which was announced for the Nintendo Switch, which sort of indicates that there's probably going to be external peripheral support uh, for controllers, but no real details on that. Um, I played three games of Ultra Street Fighter 2. Um, I'm not particularly good at Street Fighter 2. In fact, I don't really know most of the playstyle changes between Street Fighter 5 and Street Fighter 2 for a lot of the characters. But somehow I won all three games uh, against someone else, and I even got a perfect on a Blanca mirror match, which was really nice. Um, the guy was a little bit embarrassed that I got a perfect on him, and so I apologized. Um, next up, Splatoon 2. Splatoon 2, uh, this is a difficult game to talk about. So, yes, it's Splatoon. Uh, it's more of the same. Uh, fun, new maps, new clothes, new weapons, all that jazz. Uh, similar to the original Splatoon, they're going to release it with a minimal set of content, uh, which I assume means the same content that Splatoon 1 had at the end, plus a little tiny bit of new content, and then they're going to gradually add maps and modes over the span of the entire year. So this is coming out in summer 2017. Um, unfortunately, Splatoon was a huge disappointment, and it's not about the gameplay. Uh, it's all about the graphics. The first thing I noticed, we were waiting in line, and as we got closer to the front of the line, uh, we started having these displays next to us, which were showing us gameplay live from other players who were trying the demo. And the first thing I noticed was how bad it looked. And I hate that I am saying this, but it looked to be running at a much, much lower resolution uh, than the native resolution of, well, the display or the console without any reasonable attempt to smooth things out. So there were huge, chunky pixels everywhere, and it was disgusting. Um, now, to be perfectly fair, this is a development build. Uh, the game only ships in the summer, as I said. 
but it made me very, very concerned about what is feasible on the Switch's hardware, given what we know. Splatoon 2 should not look worse than Splatoon 1 did on the Wii U, or people will get the impression that you're selling them a worse system. Um, and this really just made me sad, uh, because I really wanted to like Splatoon 2, and the graphics were so bad I couldn't stop thinking about them, and that is not the lasting impression you want to have about what is arguably one of the big showcase titles for this platform. Um, I did relatively poorly during the demo. Uh, this is no surprise to people who have seen me play Splatoon because I'm not very good at it. I've played only about eight hours of it, and it was all eight hours in a row. Um, and most of the people in line around me were huge fans of the Wii U version. It had many, many hours lined up in the game, so they were much better than I was, and I ended up dragging the team down more than anything else. Um, next up, I got to play Super Bomberman R, uh, in tabletop mode over at the Konami booth. This is the first Bomberman game out of Konami in a really, really long time. And to be honest, it really feels like an easy cash grab. Um, everybody loves Bomberman when it comes to multiplayer game. It's sort of the classic multiplayer game, especially for large numbers of people. And, well, it's a Bomberman game, except with, quote, fancier graphics. Um, I think the game would have done much better if they had gone with a colorful, cel-shaded style like Bomberman Online on the Dreamcast, but I think like the good old Hudson days are over, and we're sort of left with Konami just doing whatever they want to do, which is generally not the best thing. Um, this was the first game where I actually got to use a single Joy-Con directly, and it felt fine. It feels like a small Wii remote in many ways. Um, if you have large hands, this may cause you some trouble. Uh, I was worried that the analog stick would be bad, and it turns out that the analog stick feels good, which is reassuring. Shoulder buttons are very satisfying, but at that size, and given how they slot into the console, I don't think there's any way to make them satisfying in such a tiny package. Uh, last game on the list is Puyo Puyo Tetris S, which is the Switch version of Puyo Puyo Tetris, which exists on basically every platform imaginable in Japan, except this is going to be one of the two versions released in the West. Uh, they announced it for uh, Switch and for PS4. Um, so that's going to be really nice. It's going to be great to finally have a Tetris game on modern systems in the West that is not ruined by Ubisoft. Um, so that's really cool. Um, Puyo Puyo Tetris S was a four-player setup on a big TV. Um, which is different. Uh, most of the other games I was playing, uh, well, like, Bomberman was two-player local multiplayer and tabletop. Um, this was the only four-player game I played. We each had our individual Joy-Con, which was our little tiny controller. Um, there does not seem to be a major difference between regular Puyo Puyo Tetris and Puyo Puyo Tetris S. Um, since... All of the players in my group actually knew how to play both Tetris and Puyo. Um, they gave us the freedom to actually choose which mode we wanted to play, which was really nice of them. It also let us look around the UI to see what modes were there. And honestly, I couldn't tell the difference from the PS Vita version, which I own and play a bunch. Um, so I'm not sure what's unique about it to get it the S uh, at the end of its name, maybe the S is just for Switch, and there is actually nothing new. Um, 
I won every game because I guess I was the most familiar with the game of all of us. Um, there was some hubbub about the wording on the Western website. So there's this thing. Um, they referred to something like Worldwide Puzzle League uh, inside the press release or the the promotion text for uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris S on the English Switch website. And basically a bunch of people interpreted that as, oh, well, it's going to be Puyo and Tetris and Puzzle League or Tetris Attack or Panel de Pong, depending on which localization you choose to go with. Um, and as far as I can tell, Panel de Pong is not actually in this release, so you can calm down about it. Uh, it's only Puyo and Tetris. And like even looking at the copyright text, it's clear that it's not going to be in there because otherwise w- they would have to acknowledge it in some way. Um, so I've got some other notes, just general stuff from around the show floor. Uh, they are pushing ARMS. Uh, ARMS is this fighting game which you play with a Joy-Con in each hand, and like people on Twitter were saying it when it was being shown at the event, it looks like a Wii game because you could do this exact same game on the Nintendo Wii. Um, but they are pushing this game really, really hard. The booth was huge. Um, they eventually ran out of tickets like every other game, except <laughs> it was because it was the last one left with tickets, and I guess like people were saying, well, I'm, I want to at least play one of the first-party games, so they all went to ARMS eventually. Um, I think someone at Nintendo wants to repeat what happened with Splatoon, and they just want to launch a new original IP because they thought, well, Splatoon, we launched an original IP, and it took off, and now it's getting sold out faster than Zelda or whatever. And um, I don't think this is the kind of miraculous, innovative game that is going to be the next Splatoon, Um, but they sure as hell are trying to push it that way. Um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe uh, was being shown. I got to see a couple races on there, and I noticed there were some very big frame rate drops when played in multiplayer, and apparently this is also the case on the Wii U. Uh, I've only ever played Mario Kart 8 single player on the Wii U, uh, so I had never noticed this, but apparently this is the case. I don't know if it's to a worse degree than on the Wii U, but still it's sort of top of mind with regards to hardware concerns uh, for the Switch. Um, I asked people on Twitter if they had any questions that they wanted me to answer them, and unfortunately, like, all of the questions that people asked were questions that I could not answer because I only got to play Splatoon 2, uh, which does not do all of the stuff that they asked me about, or uh, I didn't get to use handheld mode, for example. Um, But no games appeared to use HD rumble haptic feedback aside from first-party titles. Thus, I can't really comment about them. Um, none of the games I played had rumble at all, as far as I can tell. Uh, maybe they did, and I just didn't notice. But honestly, I think they just didn't have rumble. Um, so, unfortunately, can't talk about that. It also makes me wonder if... Like third-party developers were also in the dark about this feature because they wanted to keep a surprise for the event. Um, uh, completely speculation could be the case. Uh, One Two Switch is sort of their. I mean, I called it like the pack-in game on Twitter, but apparently it's not a pack-in. It's a separate purchase. Uh, I don't know how many people are going to buy this, um, but basically, One Two Switch is like their showcase game for all of the new gimmicks that are built into the Switch hardware, specifically like this HD Rumble stuff and whatnot. 
Um, and their area was super well designed because it's a collection of six mini games. Um, so they had each of the six mini games had their huge glass cube with tinted glass for a different color, and you could enter the cube, and people outside the cube could watch you play the game. But there was a Nintendo employee inside that was waiting to explain the game to you, and then you would play it together. Um, the unfortunate reality is <laughs> it was cleverly designed because it let everybody see what was going on, but it didn't scale to the number of attendees there were. Um, this is arguably one of the big showcase games for what the Switch is capable of doing that is unique uh, amongst other consoles. And they only had six stations. Uh, compare that to Splatoon. Splatoon had 24. Um, Zelda had probably had 24. It's looked about the same number. Um, Arms had something like 14. Um, so they were really lacking in numbers of stations there. And I think that if you're going to make a game that really demos what's unique about your console and you're not going to make it the most demoable game, uh, you have a problem on your hands. So I guess uh, we're going to keep this episode relatively short, um, so I'm going to give my final comments. Uh, Hands-on time with the Switch has only increased my concerns about this product, which is unfortunate. I wanted to like this product, and I was sort of let down in different ways. Uh, Splatoon 2 leaves me really worried about the actual power of this console. It is not living up to my expectations given the leaked specs we've had access to. And, like, Splatoon 2 was the first game to have its line closed down because people were really, really looking forward to this game. It shouldn't look this bad during its first unveiling. Uh, I don't know if I am the only person who is noticing these things. Uh, I haven't really paid much attention to random reactions on Twitter uh, because very few of my friends actually managed to come out to the event and the ones who did came in too late to actually play any of the first party games. Um, so I'm going to take a look at that and see what the reception was for Splatoon's graphics. I was very let down by it and I hope that other titles don't have the same fate. Um, this is something that I only noticed at the very end of the show. Um, but it's true. No games shown on the show floor aren't playable on a single detached Joy-Con, which means every game is playable with one analog stick, two shoulder buttons, and four face buttons. This sort of has me worried that it's a requirement that all games um, are playable in this configuration, because what about like first-person shooters? Does that mean they're not viable because those would require a twin-stick setup and that is not permissible because each game needs to be played on a single Joy-Con? I don't know if that's in the developer um, requirements for this console. I really hope it's not, but it could be. Um, so I'm worried about that. Uh, I could see, though, that because of this, if this actually ends up being the case, the Switch could be a great platform for JRBGs and a terrible one for shooters. And then maybe the Sony and the Microsoft systems become more shooter-focused and then the Switch becomes more JRPG-focused. That's sort of what the 3DS is best at, too. So, I don't know. It could be good. Um, the Switch, it's betting big on local multiplayer, but its tabletop mode isn't comfortable, either for vision reasons, because the screen is too small, or for ergonomic reasons, because you're hunched over to play it all the time. 
and the Switch is barely viable as a handheld anyway because of its 2.5 hours of battery life. I don't care if you're a Nintendo or Apple or whoever, just having a USB-C port that you can charge from doesn't mean that you're allowed to skimp on battery life in your devices. And how the hell does this thing have so little battery anyway when phones outdo that and they aren't even as thick? Um, So while I do agree with the Switch's concept, I don't think it's a successful execution of this concept. However, everything I said could turn out to be true, but if enough entertaining games come out for it, just like the 3DS, people's desire to play those games will outweigh the flaws and they won't matter in the end. So, eh, right now, uh, the game library, it's not something I'm interested in, to be perfectly honest. Uh, A lot of the games, well, all of the third-party games that were being shown were ports. Um, There was nothing really... Well, actually, no. There, There were some that were not ports. I think Super Mom Moran R is not a port. I think everything else it was a port. Um, so, like, third party was not super interesting. Um, inside the program book that they gave us, uh, they revealed some more games that were going to be released, but it was mostly, like, multi-platform stuff. Uh, nothing unique to the Switch yet. So, I don't know. Uh, it's It's not for me yet. Uh, First-party titles, I mean, Splatoon 2 looks good, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe looks good, but it looked good on the Wii U as well, Um, and there's not much really drawing me to the system yet, and so I don't think I'm going to be getting one at launch, Um, but, like, there's stuff that is interesting, like, Xenoblade 2 definitely looks interesting, although I never finished the original Xenoblade, I still do respect the game in many ways, um... Fire Emblem Muso. Well, I'm not a big fan of Muso games, but give me more Fire Emblem on a high-definition system, and maybe that is something I'd be interested in. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five. Like the seeds are there, they just need to actually blossom, and like there needs to be like way more of those uh, must-have games before I start becoming interested in the Switch. So that's about all I have to say. For this episode. Uh, it was strange doing a solo episode talking to myself. Um, we're not going to do these fairly often, it's just that it's something I had to do in this case. Um, you can find the show notes for this episode at limitlesspossibility.net slash 56, or you can find all of our episodes at limitlesspossibility.net. You can find the podcast on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast, that's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Sakurina, that's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A, and my regular co-host, Luca Duvier, which is currently in Costa Rica, is at Luconush, L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. We will be back soon uh, with a brand new season of the podcast, uh, regular episodes again every two weeks like we used to. Stay tuned to our Twitter for more details on that. And we'll see you soon.